Have you ever tried Curious Elixirs? Their booze-free craft cocktails are infused with adaptogens to help you unwind. They're plants that benefit your body, helping you relax and de-stress without the hangover. Use code Kimberly22 and get $10 off your order of $50 or more. Go check out Curious Elixirs. Thanks. Did you actually say you listened to my podcast when you were quitting? Yes. So you were one of the first podcasts that I listened to because, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I think I like search sobriety, whatever. And it was one of the first ones that popped up and I connected so much with literally everything that you were saying. And I would like walk the streets of Needham yeah. and listen to like your soothing voice and I like, I would come home and talk to my husband about everything that you would say. And I'm like, this just makes so much sense to me. And I I was just like devouring all of your, all of your episodes. So thank you so much. Oh, that that. makes me feel so good. That's awesome. And I'm sure people are doing that with your podcast now too. Well, I, that's honestly the reason why I am doing this. Yeah. I felt like I just wanted to yeah pay it forward. Right. Yeah. Same for me. Same for me. For me, it was the bubble hour. It was one of the only ones out there when I first tried to quit drinking nine years ago. And then um, six and a half years ago, when I finally stopped, I listened to the bubble hour again and the home podcast, but there were not a lot out there at the time. There's a lot more now. (laughs) Yes, there are. Yes. (laughs) Davidson um, from Hello Someday podcast. So thank you for joining. Welcome. Um, oh, so I don't have Catherine here with me today. She wasn't able to make it, but so it's just Kim. Um, so thank you for being here. Really. Oh, happy. thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. Like, so as I was saying, Casey was a huge inspiration um, in the early days of my sobriety. So we wanted to have you on here and um, chat a little bit with you. So I think something that we haven't talked a lot about on this podcast. Um, and I think is important is discussing for people who have not maybe quite stopped drinking or, you know, for the sober curious, um, what may be, um, some of the fears that people have? I think that, there are so many fears that women have about stopping drinking. And, um, for me that kept me stuck for so long. And I mean, honestly, quitting drinking was literally my worst case scenario in life. Like I was worried about my drinking probably five years before I actually, you know, made a real effort to stop and no longer just trying to like, just get my shit together. You know what I mean? And it was eight years before I finally stopped for good. And a huge part of that, I mean, every single fear in the book, right? Um, First of all, I loved drinking. I just did. And I think so many women who drink a lot do love it, right? Like it's, For me, it was so much a part of my identity. I mean, I literally self-identified as a red wine girl. Like I would tell people that. 
And it was part of how I felt like I reclaimed my independence and rebelliousness once I had kids, Um, you know, like, but don't worry, I'm still fun kind of thing. Totally. Um, All my friends drank and that was by design. You know what I mean? Like that was the people I hung out with and they were all like successful career women with kids, but big drinkers. And it was just what I looked forward to, right? It lights up your brain. And, um, and you know, I drank 365 nights a year. I was one of those, like every single night wine with dinner and wine with on the couch after the kids go to bed. So, I mean, so I am. So my story is so similar to yours, like really all friends that drank similarly. Um, I mean, just for the listeners, we are both Nescat girls. So Casey went to Bates. I went to Colby. So I feel like we both partied hard in college. That's like ingrained in our mentality. Right. So it was that work hard, party hard mentality as moms. It's like you mom hard. And then you, you deserve wine at night, right? Oh my God. And I like shifted what I drank. And just for folks who don't know, Bates and Colby are like two of three small liberal arts colleges in Maine. It's kind of like Bates, Bowdoin and Colby. And all are really big drinking schools. And we both played sports, which is even more of a drinking culture. I played rugby, which basically is a breeding ground for binge drinking. Yeah. And like, it's required. They yeah. chant at you. Um, <laughs> like you do that right after, like on the field. Oh, you drink I, I have certainly blacked out and puked on, on Colby's campus for sure. <laughs> um, with a bunch of Colby. Oh, right I now. definitely did too. I went to a Bob Dylan concert at Bates in like, oh, really? yeah. Isn't that weird? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just part of the college culture. And, you know, even looking back, I can't imagine not drinking in college. Like, okay. So fears. Oh yeah. One of the fears is that as we talk about college, there are a ton of drinking highlights, right? Um, Women have legitimately good memories of drinking. It was not all bad. It was really fun. You know, not all of it. Right. I don't think any woman who is like, sober curious does it because drinking is working out really well for them. There's something in their mind that's telling them something, something doesn't work here. Something. Oh yeah. I know. Yeah. And you know, for me, I would think that like 80, 90% of my life was getting worse because of my drinking. I mean, the 3am wake ups and the bloodshot eyes and the feeling like garbage and the thinking about moderating and like I said, waking up and saying, get your shit together. What the fuck is wrong with you? Oh my God. I did the same exact. You did. I would, I would, once I put my kids on the bus and I was so hungover on like those Monday mornings, I would look in the mirror and I would be like, I would literally scream at myself, get your fucking shit together. And I would cry. And then I would try to say, okay, you were not drinking until Thursday. And then maybe I would make it a day. Not even. I wouldn't even make it, you know, like, and then usually that night I'd be like, okay, you can have one glass. And it was just such a miserable, awful existence. And did your husband know about that? Did he Um, know? He didn't know about the screaming in the mirror. Yeah. (laughs) Not until I got sober, but, um, he, 
he would say to me, um, when I would have a really bad drunken weekend, he would say, you know, I think you need to tone it down and in drink less. And, um, then, you know, I would moderate and I would try to prove to him and myself that I didn't have to drink every night of the week. Um, and it was that vicious cycle of, okay, like I'm going to behave really well for like a month. And then, I would slowly start having a glass of wine again on Monday and Tuesday. And he would kind of give me those looks like, Oh, you're drinking every night again. Yeah. And he never, he wasn't happy with it, but he would kind of let it slide. Um, and yeah, he, he was always on, on me about it, but yeah, no, that's impressive. Cause my husband rarely was on me at all. He'd just be like, how are you feeling in the morning, which I was like super defensive about, or I would like pass out on the couch and he couldn't wake me up. And I would like wake up at 3am on the couch and tiptoe upstairs and like the door to our bedroom would be shut. So I'd have to open it, which I felt was like a fuck you. You know what I mean? Totally. I did like, by the end, I was doing some pretty bad things, like really getting pretty drunk in front of the kids and, um, just doing really stupid things that he would have to approach me about. Um, so there was no ignoring it and there was no, um, like glossing over it. Yeah. 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 That's so hard. Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah. but back to our, t- I feel no, like no, I, I feel like we could chat all day about this, but I, I do agree with you in terms of these fears that for these sober curious individuals, like, yeah, you identify as this really fun person and you think to yourself, how will I ever have fun again? Like, how yeah. will I ever, how will my friends think of me as a fun person? Because this is how you identify. Yeah. Yourself. Yeah. Um, and that was truly for me, one of the hardest things, um, you know, for all the, those times when I would think at 3am, like, oh my God, I, I, I really, do I have a problem with my drinking? Like I would worry and worry and worry. And I would, you know, those self-loathing moments and and myself and and being so upset and getting your fucking shit together, Kim, when I was screaming at myself, um, you know, there was maybe a little voice that would think maybe you need to get alcohol out of your life completely. I would just be so terrified because I didn't know how to ever, ever a hang out with people, (laughs) enjoy myself on a Saturday night. Um, yeah. Like the anxiety at that. I mean, so many things, right. So I'll just list some of them and people listening can be like, does this resonate with you? Um, number one, what would people think? right? If I stopped completely, did that mean that I quote unquote had a real problem with alcohol? Would they judge me? Um, which is crazy, right? I was yeah. getting drunk every night on my couch and feeling like shit and shaky. And yet I worried that if I actually stopped doing I that, know. that people would judge me, <laughs> you know, and be like, Oh my God, are you an alcoholic? Right. So that was fear one. Fear two was, I didn't want to fucking be an alcoholic, right? Like that, I think what I love about your podcast, about the whole sober curious movement, about people on Instagram, about all the articles in like Vogue and the New York Times and the Washington Post is that there is such a growing awareness that like, it's not black and white. And if you decide that drinking is not working for you, 
it does not mean you have to put yourself in the category of a quote unquote alcoholic, which isn't even a medical diagnosis. Like literally it is not a thing. It's alcohol use disorder, mild, moderate, and severe, but especially with Gen Z and millennials, like not everyone drinks anymore. And that did not used, it was always the case, but it did not used to be common awareness, but like a fear. Um, I would never have fun again. Uh, it was part of my identity. Like who was I without drinking? Um, how would I connect with my husband? What would people think? I honestly thought that I might be hurt at work if I didn't drink because we all went on business trips and we all went out for happy hour. And like, that's a big one for people. Yeah. It was a thing. People would come in from the headquarters in New York and we would go out for drinks. And so that was when all the like barriers broke down. Um, How would I connect with my husband? Right. Like we met at 23. I've always been a drinker. Um, I met my husband at Colby. Like we were, our relationship was born in a world of binge drinking, you know? I mean, we, because it's what I loved every anniversary, we went to Napa and Sonoma and Washington wine country and Oregon wine country. And we had a lot of fun. So, you know, four months into quitting drinking, I went to Italy with him sober and I was just like, how do I do this? Yeah. Um, you know, people, if people start to think like, oh, how could I ever go on vacation? So yes. it's, it's, they, people start to think ahead and it is actually, and I, and I did that. And I, 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 I remember that in the beginning thinking, I just, you know, you think ahead to the future and down the road and my kid's wedding and, you know, my kids were little, you know, yeah. in elementary school. I'm like, I can't, I can't be sober for my kids weddings and this and that. And it's just like, oh my gosh, because in that moment, it, it everything just feels so overwhelming and so yeah. huge. Um, and obviously I, I don't identify as an alcoholic and I, and I didn't go to AA, but that mantra one day at a time, obviously it, people say that for a reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that you, you said something really important and it's that, that piece of judgment. And so we're, I think we're also worried about what others will think of us, um, in that anxiety piece and that insecurity that we all so often feel, um, you know, I think ultimately what I came to realize, and it took a long time for me to realize was, um, you know, the fear of what others are thinking. It's, it's not really a reflection of me. And if people are looking at you and judging you based on the fact that you aren't drinking, I think it more has to do with their own. Oh, completely. And their own feelings about alcohol themselves. And that is something that I've had to work on with my therapist and really like, you know, like I am not in control of other people's opinions. Well, and, and it's also the idea of, I mean, I completely agree with you. Like if someone pressures you to drink, it has a real issue with it. That is all about their own relationship with alcohol and what it means about them. Will they not be able to party? If you've decided to stop, what does that mean about their drinking? Cause they drink like you do. Um, and what really helped me shift it is the idea of putting it in the same context as someone who decides to become a vegetarian, right? Like 
you're like, go to a dinner party or go to a barbecue and you're like, oh, actually I don't eat meat. And so you bring your own like beyond burger, you know, patties or veggie patties, or you bring your own salad or you don't expect them to necessarily cook a vegetarian dinner or veggie lasagna because you're coming. Yeah. And at the same time, you're not, it's kind of something you're proud of, right? right? It's like, I've made this personal choice. And if someone's like, oh my God, why don't you have a burger tonight? Why don't, can't you just taste this amazing yeah. steak? You'd be like, what the actual fuck? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, why yeah. do you care what I'm eating? And yeah. it's, it's similar. It's just, we've all been so brainwashed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's such a good point. Yeah. Nobody would ever do that. Nobody would like pressure you to become, yeah, not a vegetarian or whatever. (laughs) Right. Like you're just like, it's just a fact. And you know, it's, oh my God, how long are you going to be a vegetarian? Are you going to do it forever? I mean, it's just crazy to think about that. And it truly is like alcohol is just a beverage. It, I mean, I'm a big non-alcoholic beer girl. I just love it. And who cares if I'm drinking an athletic brewing company, you know, upside down and you're drinking a craft IPA, like who cares? Totally. But I mean, fears, so many of them I think are internal. Um, like I was like, what do people do who don't drink? Like, do you just sit around in silence staring at each other on it? I mean, this literally was my mindset. I didn't know anyone who was sober. I mean, who used to be a big drinker. I didn't know anyone in quote unquote recovery. I freaking hated the word recovery. Here's a question about fears. Did you find that a lot of your fears were completely unjustified? Like the worst case scenario didn't happen. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Bates, so I went to, um, a girl's weekend in Nantucket when I was about three months sober with all my college girlfriends who I said hadn't seen in years and years. And as I look back, I was the only rugby player in that group. I was definitely the biggest drinker. Like in college, we used to do those like keg runs and come back at like four or 5 PM. I literally used to freaking nap in the hallway because I didn't want my friends to like walk by to the party and like leave me behind if I was in bed. Like how fucked up is that? But, um, my girlfriends weren't as huge drinkers, but they were all big drinkers. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I went to see them and I was terrified to tell them. And I was just like, Hey, actually I'm not drinking. I really was feeling horrible when I was doing it. Um, it was really hard for me to stop you know, and we were going to the like Nantucket brewery or whatever there, but I was trying to be cool. You know, I was like, Oh, you guys drink. Um, I was surprised how many of them said, um, I totally get that good for you. Um, I also have to like, keep it in check. I'm taking breaks because like, I totally see how it can, you know, quote unquote, get out of hand. Um, nobody said, oh my God, are you an alcoholic? You know what I mean? Like, and part of that is how you present it and how you personally Mm -hmm. frame it in your mind. But it was not the worst case scenario. I mean, people literally said, I'm proud of you. 
Yeah. I think that my biggest, one of my biggest fears was, um, not being accepted by friends and, um, disappointing people, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. Uh, feeling left out, feeling left out of the, like you won't be invited places. Yes. You won't have fun without alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. People don't realize how many subtle cuts there are every single day that reinforce that fear, whether or not they're intended. So for example, one of my clients, um, I'm a sober coach. One of my clients was talking about her neighborhood and what big drinkers they are. And when she took a break previously, one of her, you know, neighborhood women said, Oh my God, are you not doing the drinking thing? I hope you're going to be fun tonight and have a drink. I mean, that is a shot through the heart of like every single fear that you have, um, just being like, that is every single fear I have. Yeah. And she went on a walk with one of the moms, you know, recently and said, Oh, actually I'm taking a hundred day break from drinking. I just sleep better and I have more energy without it. And I actually go on my runs versus not. And she was like, good for you. And by the way, this other woman who had said that to her a year ago, she's also not drinking now. I feel like all the people who pressure you oh my God, they're waking up in the morning saying the same thing. There is no question that someone who gets drunk on the regular is not waking up at 3 a.m. and feeling like garbage in the morning, you know? Exactly. Totally. That's so true because that was me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And nobody, like your friends didn't know you were like, woohoo. Yeah. And I remember when like years ago, um, whenever I had a friend that would come out and be like, Oh, I'm driving tonight. I would get that feeling of like, Oh, you're such a party pooper. Like, Oh, you're such a buzzkill. And I would get so mad when someone wasn't getting as drunk as me because I just wanted everyone to be drunk like me because I wanted, I just wanted that, you know, feeling of like camaraderie. And I also wanted to know that they were going to be feeling like shit the next day with me. And I, yeah, it was like that. Um, I don't know, just being on the same page and like commiserating together. I I, I don't know. I just know. Well, I remember I, in college, like I went to boarding school. We talked about this before. Like we actually have so much in common. Um, and in boarding school, you literally couldn't drink. You'd get suspended. Now a bunch of people did. I just wasn't in that crowd. Yeah. And so I went to college and I was so used to like overthinking everything, being hypervigilant, like not knowing how to talk to guys, you know, like whatever. And I loved getting drunk because truly I was like, anything could happen. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like once I stop, it's going to be adventure. Like the social lubricant that just makes everything easier. Like, oh my God, I don't know where the night's going to go. This is going to be epic. Yeah. And the, you know, my husband used to say to me like, I just don't understand, like, when you're had three glasses of wine, why do you keep drinking? And I was just like, I just never want this feeling to end. Same. That is exactly. Yes. That was exactly how I was. And he was like, we can go home now. It's, it's midnight. And he would stop drinking at like 11 because he just didn't need to get drunk. He just didn't need, or 10 even. And I'd be like, 
where are we going next? Where's the party headed? You know, and I, you know, I'd take it to the after party. I'd take it to the next bar and this and that. And we're like, you know, three kids at home with the babysitter. And he's like, we need to go home and relieve the 18 year old babysitter. It's two in the morning. I'm like, no, one more, you know, like trying to go back to somebody else's house. And because I had that mentality of like, the party never ends. And that's what it does to your brain, right? It spikes your dopamine. It's a stimulant. Um, And people, the other thing that people fear all the time is like so many of us do the thing where we wake up and we're like, holy shit, I'm not going to drink. I'm going to take a couple of days off. And you are irritated. You're annoyed. You're craving. You're miserable. And that, by the way, is true because your body's in physical withdrawal. Like it is not your imagination that you are tired, pissed off, sensitive, annoyed, you know, discontent when you are not drinking. But that is because you are constantly in the withdrawal cycle. Like that is literally what is happening to your body. So those first two, three weeks are very, very hard. And then after that, your dopamine resets, you're more content, you're no longer in withdrawal. I mean, it's not easy after that. It gets so much easier. It does. And so people are like, oh my God, when I'm not drinking, I'm miserable. And that's because you haven't gotten through. Yeah. You know, you're constantly in the withdrawal cycle. Yeah. And that's how I was for like 10 years, 20 years of my life. Yeah. You know, like, and all of motherhood until I stopped drinking. That's how I was. That's how I was as a mom to my kids, just in constant withdrawal and cranky and never present, always thinking about my next drink. And just wasn't there. And always worried about your drinking, like always worried. Um, The other huge fear that we all have is I won't be able to do it anyway. So what's the point? I mean, that's the deepest, darkest fear. I've tried before and I've failed. I might as well keep drinking. What's the point in like, why you get in this habit of failure, failing on yourself. Yep. And that's that depressive state that alcohol gets you in, I think also. And that sort of, I I called it like the darkness at the end. And that's how I felt. And it was sort of like, oh, this is kind of my life. Like, this is just the way I'm going to be. And I'm just going to be like, kind of like someone who drinks and it's okay. And everyone, there's a, a lot of people do it. And it was, it was literally like, I was living in this dark cloud. And And when you step away, you're like, I, I mean, I remember writing to myself, why am I so angry? And my life was really good. I had a very sweet husband. I had a good marriage. I had a good job. I had a beautiful home. Yeah, everything Two going for me. Friends. Yeah. And yet I truly, I felt doomed. I felt like I couldn't cope with life. I felt like, I mean, something would go wrong. And the first thought in my head was, I want to shoot myself. And that is what the alcohol does to you. Like I am a generally pretty optimistic person. And by the way, remove the alcohol, do some work, right? You got to do some work because there is a reason you drink. I mean, it's addictive, but it also, you're drinking for a reason. Yes. So a hundred percent, like (laughs) I always knew the reasons why I want to stop drinking my kids, my husband, you know, like I had my why, 
But then once I stopped, it was my therapist helped me, helped me realize, okay, well, why were you drinking in the first place? And that's where the real work is, right? Yes. Where the work begins. And that's what I've been, you know, working on for the past couple of years and, and why I wrote my book and why, what my story is ultimately about. And and that's where it goes back. And and I write a lot about Colby and I write about, yeah, my experiences in high school and yeah, there's a lot of deeply rooted stuff there, you know, about why I, you know, cause I started drinking in high school and and there's a lot of stuff in in my past and traumas and things like that, that I didn't even realize, you know? Um, and I remember like the first meet, one of the first meetings with my therapist, she's like, you, you seem very angry. And I was like 10 days sober. And and I was like, I'm not angry. What are you talking about? I'm not angry. And then I, yeah, I was pretty fucking angry. (laughs) Well, I think that like therapy after you stop drinking is really, really, really helpful. And I also think that it's almost impossible to figure out why you're drinking when you're drinking because your brain is just hijacked. And I used to go to therapy when I was drinking, you know, I'd get to some kind of a crisis point. I'd be like, oh my God, my anxiety, I have depression. I can't cope. I'm overwhelmed. And I was drinking, you know, when I told my therapist, oh, I drink a couple drinks a night, a couple times a week, total bullshit, right? I was drinking a bottle or more a night, seven nights a week, but I didn't want to tell her that. And so I was going on like antidepressants while drinking a ton, sometimes taking an Ambien at night because I told them I had insomnia. And first of all, that's so dangerous so dangerous you know what I mean to take a sleeping pill on top of a bottle of wine you literally can stop breathing um but once you stop drinking therapy can be huge because all these emotions come up I mean I always think of it as like you have two sets of problems when you stop drinking the the initial problems the aftermath problems go away pretty quickly right a lot of your anxiety goes away. A lot of your sleep issues go away. The, the, um, hangovers, the headaches, the bloodshot eyes, the bloating, that all stops. Yeah. yeah. But then you have to deal with all the underlying problems, which may just be imposter syndrome, not feeling good enough, undiagnosed mood disorder, um, you know, abandonment issues. It may just be I feel completely stressed at work and my schedule is completely unmanageable and my commute is a mess and I can't cope with life. And you remove the alcohol and you're like, holy shit, no one could cope with this life. You know what I mean? Like that's part of it too. But then you get to deal with that, which is harder, but you can finally solve for it. Yeah. This is Casey, this, all of this is so helpful. And Ultimately, I feel so if you were to give one last piece of advice to our listeners about to the sober curious for, you know, if they are feeling like they're ready to embark on a sober October. Yeah. But they're feeling a little scared. Yeah. Um, The best advice that I can think is do not think about forever. Just don't. It'll just trip you up. Think of this as an experiment with curiosity, with optimism, like, you know, you knew what your life looked like drinking the highs and the lows, the good and the bad. I had been drinking 
my entire, you know, for decades, except for being pregnant, lots of women do it. Um, you have no idea as a adult, as a 35, 40, 45, 50 year old woman, what your life would be like, what your October, what your November, what the holidays would be like without alcohol. So give it a try and do not give it a try for two weeks or four days, right? Because that's the worst part, but be like, God, what could I do if I wasn't drinking? Would I pick up the guitar again? Would I run more? Would I actually go pumpkin picking with my kids without being resentful about their whining or hungover? Like, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so much more time and energy will be in your life. And, like, just try it because you will find that a lot of your fears aren't justified. But don't think about what if I'm an alcoholic? I can't do this forever. What about what? at my daughter's wedding or next time I go to Italy, just be like, what might my, my October feel like? Yeah. It's great. That's a really great piece of advice. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast. It's been so great chatting with you. We're so similar. You and I heard stories. are I so know. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. And, so- and honestly, there are so many more so women many like us, just like us that, you know, you are probably walking around your community and your friend group and like, you probably know 10 people worried about the same thing that you are. We just don't talk about it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah.